Hey, it's John, a Cut Above Horror Review, episode number 39. We are talking about the 1962 classic, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Joan Crawford, Betty Davis. Yeah, we're going back in the day. Give it a listen and find out what we thought. I don't know what else to say, but uh, we should probably start it now. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we will be discussing the film Whatever Happened to Baby Jane from 1962. But first, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, Hydra Berg. How you doing, man? What's going on, everybody? <laughs> Good to see you. How you doing, John? Sun's out, guns out, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for those who cannot see our, our Zoom oh, chat right now, Hydroberg's chilling I have in a his, tank top on. A tank top. We don't say wife beater. No. I do, <laughs> but it's not, <laughs> not around these parts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's wearing his tank top right now, just having a casual Friday. Wearing my Chris Rock beater. Oh, Whoa. oh, shit. <laughs> that was too soon. Too no, soon. No, that's very topical. Nicely done. Very Heidelberg. topical. <laughs> Uh, John, yes. how you doing? I'm did well. You watch, you. Did you watch the Oscars last night? I did not. Uh, I don't watch um, uh, award shows because they're so painstakingly, they, they, they just suck. I mean, I, I don't know. And most of the movies that are nominated, I've never seen. Mm-hmm. And the ones I think should get nominated don't. Mm-hmm. Like how well is horror represented this year? What, Nightmare Alley? Maybe a little bit. But. Yeah, I think that's about it. That's about it. So, yeah, it, now that I have kids, I just don't I'm not up on most of the movies. And so I don't really have a dog in the fight. So I like to watch, you know, the fashion before the show. It's fabulous. And the drama and the drama. So, yeah. So last night it was pretty dramatic. I'm sure that like years and years from now, somebody's going to be listening to this episode of our podcast and want to know what the heck we're talking about. So last night, somebody got slapped at the awards last night, huh? Somebody got bitch slapped. Somebody got rocked. Oh, perfect. You've been sitting on that one all day, huh? (laughs) I I haven't. I actually just saw the news. I was coming up with the news. I was like, oh shit. Chris Rock Rock got slapped by Will Smith. Nice. Yeah. I I don't know what their beef is. Did did we find out what that is? Yeah. Yeah, Chris Rock made a a comment about Jada Pinkett Smith's shaved head. Like he made a little joke about her. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in G.I. Jane, too, which I think is like not that bad of a Mm -hmm. like an insult. But I guess Will Smith, I guess he started laughing at first, but then he saw that Jada was upset. So he literally walked on the stage at the Oscars while Chris Rock was standing there and just clocked him right in the face and then walked back to his seat. John, have you ever seen the Batman meme of Batman slapping Robin? Yes, I've it seen that. Just like that. It, it, it looked really exactly bad. like that. Yeah. <laughs> like where Batman's head is towards the camera. Yeah, the, and the, you see yeah. the back of Bat, uh, Robin's head and he's just slapping him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I'll find oh, the God. video, John. I'll find the video with the audio included because the I think the censors um, muted the audio on, on the actual broadcast on TV. Did he curse? In Australia, yes. yeah, he cursed. Oh, yeah, wow. like on Twitter, you can see the, the video with the audio and everything. But it's like after he went back to his seat, Will Smith was like, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Wow. He said that twice. Oh and um, and Chris, Rock, Chris Rock was like, OK, OK, it was just a joke. Let's move on. Chris Rock's a comedian. And, and 
okay. I get okay. No, and we're not going to get into it. We'll we'll find out what happened. I, I yeah yeah all right. <laughs> anyway, so that that was the main topic of conversation today. I think was was discussing the Smith slash Rock incident. But I for one was personally really disappointed that Rob Zombie didn't win anything. Oh, so, he got it in. Nice. What? I'm never first. We, that was super organic too. That was really good. That really was yeah. actually nicely done, Jacqueline. And <laughs> I planned that like two hours ago. <laughs> okay, so episode well, we're on episode 39 right now. So yeah. let's make this a first that Jacqueline mentioned Rob Zombie first out of all of us. Nice. So episode 39. So 39, 30 episodes away from ex- episode 69. That's the one that we need to have Rob Zombie on. <laughs> I got yeah. I, I got to call into it. Ooh. She's on fire, on. Today, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you were on the radio, John. I think you could pull some strings and get Rob Zombie on. Here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I gotta call I gotta call into some people. So yeah, let's do this. Th- Make it I, happen, John. I have no idea what I'd say to the man if he was actually- I don't either. <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually I, don't I don't either. Yeah, I I would sit here and be like, Yeah, well, I like your movies. Sorry I t- talked about your wife. Please don't Will Smith me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that anyway, was, that, that was coffee out of the nose. Sorry. Oh, nice. <laughs> Don't will. He caffeinated, me. I hope. <laughs> no, he's got to go to work after this. It's probably caffeinated. No, no, okay. no. I go to work in the morning now. I switch my shift around. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just well, then I hope it's decaf. No, it's, I want to stay up for you guys. I want to be like on point talking about this fucking movie. You needed oh. coffee to get through this movie, right? It was pretty long. Yeah, Jacqueline. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right, we'll get into it. You guys want right. some news? I'm yeah. dying for some news. Okay, I just I, I threw this together really quick, but I'm very excited about this movie. It's called The Northman. It's yes. the movie from Robert Eggers coming out yes. uh, April 22nd. It did oh, get wow. a rating R. Okay, right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, nudity, violence, everything that you want in a horror movie, it's going to include it. Uh, it stars Alexander Skarsgård. Is that how you say his last mm-hmm. name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anya Taylor Joy is going to be in it. Uh, we got Nicole Kidman, Willem Dafoe, so many other people. This this movie looks dope, and I'm very very excited about it. So I think we need to keep our dockets open later this year, uh, April 22nd or after, to talk about this movie because it looks really good. And uh, we know Robert Eggers is kind of brilliant when it comes to movies because you guys enjoyed um, what The Lighthouse, The Witch. What else did? Mm-hmm. That's it. I think. I think Was those are his two feature films. Okay. I saw the lighthouse in theaters. Uh, I nice. saw it in actually an older theater where it was playing. I could just finally catch it. And it was like one of those theaters that was like small, didn't have reclining seats or anything. It was like an old time theater. So it's kind of a cool vibe because oh, of nice. the way the movie is shot. It really it, is. It, the setting was like perfect for that film. Black yeah. and white, just like we watched today or mm-hmm. earlier this week. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, I won't be able to go see the Northman on opening night because that is the night of the straight chillin' meetup here in Jacksonville. Oh. oh, you're going to that? Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. You are going to FaceTime me there. I will I'm FaceTime you, you Hydroberg. Yes. you at least once while you're there. And like, you just like spam me around in 360. I'll say hi to everybody. And that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I'll just keep you on oh, FaceTime. Fuck you the guys. Whole time. I don't have an iPhone. Yeah, in so your pocket. Like, wear a pocket. Right John, we can cat. do, we can do like face, uh, Facebook video chat. Yeah. We can yes. Do that. Let's do that. Cause I'd yeah. love to say hey to everybody. And we got a well, we kind of love horror review out there. Yeah. yeah. On the meetup. So hell yeah. Let's <laughs> do that. Uh, the I'm only other. The only other story I have is the uh, movie X, Ty West's latest movie. 
10 million dollars at the box office so far so not okay. bad for a limited release type movie and i've actually been seeing mixed reviews about it but i'm a big ty west fan i i really enjoy uh house of the devil i love the sacrament i thought that mm-hmm. was dope. i haven't seen that one uh, oh hydroberg get on that yeah, i know i've heard that's what i've heard none of my good things yeah the innkeeper's good i've uh, seen those too yeah, so so Ty West, solid director. So uh, I believe we have it on the docket coming up here in the f- near future. We do. So I'm not going to offer any commentary on it right now. No. Oh, you've seen it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I saw too. it uh, last weekend. Yeah. Okay. Would you recommend? Yes. Very far. Okay. That's all That's you it. have to say. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. Mm, I'm going to hold myself. I'm not even going to go that far, but that is a recommend. I mean, a I know, but I just, I know. It I just want to say that because it's a porn it be, film. It could be a flaccid fuck. It could be, but it still fucks. Nonetheless, I would recommend. Uh, uh, awesome. All right. Well, that's all I got for news. That's all. All right. Well, you guys want to hear about why I chose this film for us this week? Please. We're talking yeah. about 1962's What Happened to baby jane whatever my, happened to baby or whatever jane. Happened. whatever what, whatever 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 <laughs> happened to baby jane picked by our very own host jacqueline so please tell us why you picked this movie uh i picked this for a couple of reasons one i was feeling like the past several weeks we've just been doing like really recent horror movies like within the past five or ten years um and many of them just within the past one or two years. And so I just wanted to um, have have a choice that was kind of a throwback, something a little more old fashioned, just because, you know, and this is this is a movie that I grew up with. This is like one of the few horror films that I was allowed to watch as a child. I guess my parents felt that it was like tame enough that it was OK for me. And so I, I probably watched this when I was maybe like nine or 10 years old. And kind of like repeatedly throughout, you know, my childhood. Um, and so it affected me when I was a child. And so it's kind of like, you know, there are certain things that if you experience them in childhood, they kind of like cement themselves as like a special place within you. And you kind of retain that feeling towards it for your whole life. Whereas you don't know if like somebody else might see it for the first time as an adult, whether they're going to have the same feelings towards it as you. So I was curious because I didn't think either of you guys had seen it before. So I wanted to pick it, see if it, I haven't seen it in a while. And so I wanted to see if it kind of held up to my memories and my emotional feelings towards it. And I wanted to hear how you guys felt about it as a first time watch as, you know, grownups. So uh, also I know that um, Randy from Straight Chillin, he really likes this movie. He's the only other person within this little community that I know of that, um, is even aware of it and like has strong positive feelings towards it. I'm pretty sure that he's picked it a couple of times for the straight chillins uh, poll picks and it's never won. So <laughs> I've always, I've always voted for it, but I, it, I always feel bad that it doesn't win. And so I'm like, what the hell let's throw it on here and see what's what. And I, I want to go on record that you have picked the two oldest movies that we've ever reviewed on this show. One being Coffin Joe, this one even earlier, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. sixty-two. Mm-hmm. So, um, congrats on that. Thanks. I, uh, I, and, th- that's very like on brand for me because I am. I've always been a person who enjoys things that are older than my time, and I always like to be familiar with like the roots of things and early early versions of things. And so that's that's just very on brand for me. I'm kind of like I was like born too late. I think. No, Sorry, Hyderberg. What were you gonna say? I cut you off. I was gonna say I I tried to uh, I tried to get Andy on actually for this uh, episode, 
but scheduling wise, he just couldn't really make it work. It's been really busy for him, but he was going to yeah. try. Yeah, no, and that, that was, that was nice of him to, to try to make it happen, but he's really, sure. really busy and um, yeah. stretched very thin. So I didn't want to like pressure him to, no. to get on, but maybe he'll email us later and um, let us know what he thought of it. We can always read it on the air later or something. So sure. we're all yeah. friends. You know, he's going to listen to this one. I hope so. I, I hope so. So Jacqueline, yeah. <clears throat> before we get to a spoiler and a Heidelberg reach around a plot synopsis, you started off. Does this movie fuck or does it suck? I think this movie fucks. Um, it holds up to my fond memories of it, at least, you know, for me. Again, I'm really curious to hear what you guys think of it. But for me, it totally fucks. I find it to be like grotesque and macabre and sad. and. It, it just, it was like a, a really fun watch for me. So yeah, it fucks. What about you, John? I want to say uh, to our host, Jacqueline, thank you so much for introducing me to this movie because I've heard about it a lot. Um, the fact that you have Betty Davis and Joan Crawford in this movie is amazing. You know, obviously they have a history or, or, or like, um, you know, uh, apparently they hated each other, but they worked together quite a bit. Um Man, uh, I'm going to say for the setting of the movie, Shay, I think this movie fucks, Shay. <laughs> awesome. That was your old timey newsman. Kind it, of it was. It was like, you know, going back to the James Cagney days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. yeah. <laughs> Top of the world, ma. It fucks, Shay. This movie <laughs> is worth the watch. Very nice. And that sounded a little Jimmy Stewart to me a little bit. Well, well oh. I don't know where I'm going with this one. Uh, go That's to okay. Hyderberg. I enjoyed it anyway. Hyderberg, does it fuck or suck? Um, I, I get why you like this film. Um, there are definitely aspects of it that I, I enjoyed. But I don't know. Ultimately, for me, I had a hard time keeping engaged, and I almost dozed off like twice while watching it. Um, okay. So for me, I don't know. For my first initial viewing, I feel like this is a suck. Or close to a flaccid fuck, maybe, for me. But Okay. I might be, I might be, you know, after a conversation, who knows what. Well, Why don't I, you keep yeah. it at a flaccid fuck? And then like, if it, All right, we'll keep it, yeah, it's a semi and then we'll see where it goes. <laughs> it's okay. And Hyderberg, my feelings will not be hurt if this is a suck for you, because I understand, yeah. like I, I watched it with a more critical eye this time than I have in previous viewings because I've never had a reason to really watch it yeah. with like that critical of an eye, but um, I can see, I can see problems with it and I can see why it may. There are things like... I actually do like though. It does things very well. Certain things they are just, I feel like it could be a little tightened up some of this. So it's so... not a total hate for you. No, no, I don't, I didn't hate it. I, I just okay. like had trouble keeping engaged with it for a little while in there. Jacqueline, okay. it's long as fuck. I mean, the, the, the movie yeah. well, you know, long like, fuck can be good if it's sure. good fuck, you know, yeah, but absolutely. yeah, but there is such a thing as as too, too long much. of a fuck. Yeah. This this was like a sting tantric fuck. So maybe you dry out a little bit. I, um, I think part of my yikes. <laughs> I think part of what I didn't enjoy as much was maybe because of the era of when it was made. There are certain things to the film that just kind of because of that era bothered me a little bit, and we'll get into those. Yeah. That sure, sure, sense. sure. All well, right. before we do all that, let's do the spoiler warning, and then I got to hear Heidelberg's reach around. So. You got it. Uh, we're going to be talking about whatever happened to baby Jane from 1962. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, make sure you go watch it. Come back to find out what we thought about it. And away we go. All right. 
There's no business like show business. This was a tale of two famous sisters, one with such talent and one that was twisted with jealousy and shame. What she would do to get back her fame. You know who I am? Well, I'm baby Jane. Her time in the spotlight, it went when it came. And now no one knows. No one seems to remember her name. Her obsession with the past is all rather lame. Poor old Blanche takes the brunt of the blame and suffers the most because she's really tame. So secret she holds, her souls do they stain. She doesn't want to believe the monster her sister became. But whatever happened to sweet baby Jane? Very nice. Well done. Very nice. Well done. I like that one. What was the guy's name in this movie again? Edwin. 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 Yeah. He reminded me of somebody that's modern. He reminded me of somebody too. I couldn't put my finger on it. I, I even looked him somebody, up on IMDb because so I was like, like an actor, an actor. That somebody English? Do you think? No. Yeah. Hmm. I no he, so, his English accent was terrible, by the way. <laughs> he was sort of cartoony to me in a in a in a way, but I. Oh, no, no, it was the bigger guy in uh, the Office. That's what he kind of reminded Kevin? me. Uh, yes. Kevin. Yes, <laughs> a little bit uh, like him. Edwin reminded me of Kevin from The Office. Oh, mm-hmm. my. Kevin makes a mean chili, I heard, right? Doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I just looked it up, and it was Victor Buono, who played Edwin, was American. I I didn't. I thought he was English. You really? I, <laughs> With that accent, it was awful. I like, guess my the mom's uh, accent was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So should we start with this and just talk about Edwin? Yeah, whatever. What do you guys think about his role in this film unnecessary maybe okay. unnecessary because he didn't call the cops or anything he was just drunk well he did did he I really he did yeah at the end he did the right thing in the end then he ran we didn't see him do it but yeah, he ran but away implied that he did because he because she left the house with blanche and then the police are out looking yeah. for her yeah. the next morning and remember there was that radio oh, report that's that, like yeah. Uh, she's believed to have taken her sister out of the house between 10 yeah. and 10.30. West Ventura Boulevard and heading down the east. Yeah, so he ran home and he ran home to his mommy and he and he told on the police. That dude it. drank half and half with a lot of sugar, a lot of bananas, and um, I don't know if he had... Frosted Flakes. Was that it? Yeah, was it was Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. They're like little little boxes. All right. He's mixing them with bananas. It was a box. It was a bowl of cereal that he was eating. I had I did not notice that at all. I had no idea what you guys are talking about. Oh, okay. So, so the mom was explaining uh, of what Jane did, or uh, apparently what Jane did to her sister Blanche, mm-hmm. like yelling at it, because the mom was so like subdued and just like this sweet person. All of a sudden, like in at this last part of the movie, she became very serious, very like um, in your face. This is what happened. Oson, you know, me doing a British accent sucks, you know, and it sounds better than what they were doing. You know, they're, it was they're because British. some some floozy was taking her son away from her. And that's all exactly right. Yeah. But, but that that's that's the way it sounded to me. But I don't know. I just I, I no. Edwin was just kind of not. I didn't understand his character. So what I think about him, well, first of all, I'll say, I think that his mother is a totally unnecessary character. I think she should just be like deleted from the whole thing. I do think that Edwin serves a purpose, but I think his screen time should be reduced by a lot. (laughs) But I think, I think what he, I think the role that he serves in this film is as like a beacon of hope for both Jane and Blanche. Yeah. And so for Jane, it's like, 
he's her hope of like reconnecting with the outside world and reviving her act no matter how i mean this is totally delusional but in her mind he represents that like contact that she mm-hmm. can have to like get back into the public eye and regain what she thinks she's lost. Well, that makes sense. Yep. And, and, and also like just friendship, like just a human connection that she really doesn't have at all in her life. Yeah. And then for Blanche for at least a moment, like he represents hope of like salvation, like of being mm-hmm. rescued. Um, and of course that goes wrong, but, but for, for a little while, that's, that's her hope, you know, when she's like, Oh, maybe it's Edwin, you better go downstairs and let him in. Yeah. Um, it was Edwin. He was drunk, but it was the cops that were there. Cops, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, so I th- at that moment, I think Blanche thought it was the cops, but she was like, it might be Edwin. You better go open up, like hoping that the police would rescue her. But then when Edwin bursts into the room and she's like, please help me. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think he represents like hope for both of them. There has to be an outside character in all this. And I mean, we have Elvira, but she gets killed. And so to like make the, the finale happen, I, we have to have another outside character. And I you think have that's the nosy neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Th- th- that's some of the problems with the movies because I, or with this movie is that it, it is very stereotypical of this movie. Not to say that the Elvira wasn't a strong character in this movie, but it was the times and, you know, she didn't have so, a, a stronger role. I think if they rebooted this movie, Elvira would have such a stronger role. And I, I, I I loved that character. I thought she was awesome. I did too. She was. She's very but, it, it, and, it, but I like think it. in 1962 that it was just, it was so subdued. Uh-huh. And it felt like, like you just kind of brushed this character under the rug. And I don't know why, but she was like, she, she was the glue that held the story together that, that you figured everything out. I did think this movie had a really, really dope uh, uh, just twist at the end. And you didn't find out to the very end. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys think about? What did you think about that? Yeah, I, 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 I didn't expect that, to be yeah. honest. Like when you see that initial first uh, title sequence, like I know they did. There's, a, there's an air of mystery to like, oh, someone pulled the, the emergency brake and engaged the car. But you just assume like, oh, it was Jane trying to take her sister out because they established earlier, like her sister's She's become more famous and more talented than her. Right. Yeah. And the only reason that Jane's still working in the business is because her sister has a contract that says every other deal, every other picture is going to be a Jane picture, right? Like, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so you just assume she tried to take her sister out and that was, you know. And then I hate to, out, I hate to lump it into Hitchcockian, but it had that feel to yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it, but, but you had like. For a little bit of like a noir sort of vibe. Yeah. You, you have two of the best actresses during that time. It, it, and even at the end of their career, you know, but they still look great. They you know, do look, both act their ass off in this yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought Betty Davis looked so good in this movie. You know, John, mm-hmm. Joan Crawford. Like the Joker. She, <laughs> I thought absolutely. she looked like um, Art the Clown. Yeah. Like <laughs> that white yeah. I mean, I mean, but but like the way they did her makeup throughout the movie was really well done because it's you saw her in different like like shots there there were yeah, certain shots like, like at the very end where she's getting the ice cream she looked normal she mm-hmm. didn't have this you know the the the, the black under her eyes or, or or like the bright uh what do they call it Jacqueline I'm sorry I lipstick I no 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 uh I'm talking about oh a, like the a, foundation a, or powder foundation. like That's the it. super white purpose too because at that point she sort of was a little bit she was hysterical but also normal like she was 
Right, but the way they shot that was beautifully done yeah. because it was in natural beach light. Yeah, I think the natural like lighting a, helped. Yeah, like a n- normal human being. And there yeah. were shots in the movie where she, you know, she had this manic look on her face of guilt and, you know, played well throughout the movie. So, like, to me, Betty Davis was the star of this movie. I, mean, I really she, like Joan Crawford, too. Like, I, she was more subdued, but I thought, like, I felt for her really badly during most of the film. I did I agree. All the way got a lot of pathos. End. Yeah. Sorry, I, John, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying all the way till the end, and you find out the big twist, and you're like, well, fuck you, Joan Crawford. Well, Betty I, Davis you know, like right. <laughs> her sister's still fucked up, but you know, she also because has of what some, her sister did to her. Not entirely like she's fucked up. She, yeah, she was a little fucked up anyway, but yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, does that make did that make you like the character of Blanche less once you found out the twist? I did. Not really. I did. I just thought it was just like, okay, so you're a shithead for like blaming your sister for your disability again. It explained to me why, like, I was always wondering in the film, I'm like, why doesn't she blame her sister more for like the accident? And like, she's so forgiving of everything that's going on, you know? And like, there's plenty of times when she's about to talk about something or blame her sister for something, and she pulls her punches, right? Yeah, but that was a beautiful thing about the movie and the dialogue of the movie is that, that you felt that. Yeah, you didn't know exactly, but you also know she that dealing with that guilt. Yeah, the, the the way you felt about Betty Davis, you know, her being so manic and everything, you know, and putting the parrot in the food or putting the rat in the food. We have rats in the cellar, which was a great line. So because, you, you know, the second she says that, you're like, oh, shit, there's definitely a rat in that food. Yeah. And it was still a nice little surprise. <laughs> she, part, she pulled up. It? She pulled up that plane and there was, was a like rat sitting the right music there. was so good. And Joan yes. Crawford's acting was so good that yeah. it still felt like a shock, even though you knew it had to be coming it, it was beautifully done you know and it's just so man betty davis I, I i i've seen a few movies that she's been in and this was like almost like quintessential even though it was like towards the end of her career because didn't she pass away in like the early 70s or something like that Ooh, i don't know but yeah not i mean i'm i'm curious jacqueline i'm sorry i don't mean to cut you off but do you have any trivia about their rivalry that's almost the entire bulk of my trivia. <laughs> okay, we'll wait. So, like, almost one hundred percent of my trivia <laughs> consists of like all the like petty shit that they said and did wow. to each other. <laughs> oh, interesting. All right, we'll wait till the end for that. We don't have to sprinkle it in. I, but I it's like some... it's super petty. <laughs> you do see, like Betty Davis, definitely like she's she shows her chops in this because she's got range. As she shows like hysteria, she shows some caring. Uh, her caring side at some point she shows her guilt like even she feels guilty after she's like killed um what's her name again the maid elvira elvira yeah uh the mm-hmm. aide and like part of that's because she knows she's gonna get caught now like so she's like she's running back to her sister for advice you know yeah. and i just love yeah. to see that side of her like those those different sides of her that's yeah. kind of <clears throat> that's kind of the brilliance of the film is that you think yeah. that, that Betty Davis's character of Jane was, you know, totally in the wrong here. You know, she was a child star. She was on the stage and, and you know, ha- they had these dolls. And by the way, <laughs> that Edwin character with the blanket over his head while he's like rolling <laughs> the wheelchair with with the doll. Hey, here comes the captain or something. Yeah, like that. that was fucking weird. He's so drunk. It was weird, but I thought it was really funny. And then yeah, she comes funny. out and she like screeches at him. Like, Stop <laughs> <No>. that. <laughs> <No>. Edwin. 
So I like the doll, the title sequence. I liked a lot. I noticed that when the doll's head is broken and like the title kind of zooms out, like the name of the film yeah. zooms out of the head, sort of. I yeah. just thought that was a really cool aesthetic, especially for back. Kind of like your hand is zooming out of your background right now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't see that. Ooh. Anyway. But yeah, <laughs> no, I just thought that was a right cool arm. image. They kind of focused on the, the broken doll head. Yeah. It was a nice foreshadowing, though. I, I, yeah. I thought, again, that that's where I get the Hitchcocky and that it's kind of that that um, foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you you see the car. No, I I was just saying you see the car, you hear the scream and then nothing else. And then it goes, you know, back to what, 1917 or something like that, where Mm -hmm. Jane is. Oh, that was 1934. Yeah. 1917, uh, where baby Jane is actually the star of the stage and dad gets up and does that song. And that was the beginning. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So one of my trivia pieces is that. Oh, and it just fell out of my head. I'll come back to it. All right. (laughs) But um, yeah. Oh, I know what it was. They actually tried to get Hitchcock on board to direct this, but he was really busy promoting Psycho that had come out. I guess he was still promoting it. It was um, come out two years earlier, but uh, working on promoting that. And he was gearing up for The Birds, which came out in 63. So I don't want to take away from those films, but I feel like he could have tightened this thing up. I think so, too. Yeah, I do, too. Yep, I think so too. So it's one of those kind of eternal, like, what if sort of questions. Wow. But I will say, like, this film w- had um, very high critical acclaim and did really well at the box office when it was released. It was like one of the top earning films of the year. Um, so it was <laughs> like, you know, people still loved it. It wasn't like a little hidden indie thing. I mean, it was like a big motion like picture a event. film to people, right? Like, when yeah, it came out, like it was. It was nominated for several Oscars. <clears throat> um, Betty Davis was nominated for Best Actress, and but the only Oscar that it won was for Best Costume Design. Oh, okay. stupid. Again, <laughs> we were talking about the Oscars earlier in the podcast. It's like, really? I mean, to me, it was like Betty Davis deserved Best Actress. And, yeah. and Heidelberg, I agree with you. I, I think Joan Crawford killed it in this movie, but Betty yeah, Davis... she's more subdued, though. She was the star. I mean... I think... I think if she had not gone, so the the winner for best actress that year was Anne Bancroft for the Miracle Worker. Have you guys ever seen that? Oh, or, is that about Anne Frank or or Helen Keller? Helen, Helen Keller. Keller. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, that's a movie I love. So Anne Bancroft. So Anne Bancroft plays the teacher Annie Sullivan mm-hmm. in that movie, and Patty Duke plays Helen Keller, and it's amazing. And yeah. so Anne Bancroft definitely deserved. The, uh, it really is. She definitely deserved the Oscar that year. But I think if it had been a different year, and had she not gone up against Anne Bancroft, I think she probably would have won. Betty Davis. I mean, that's amazing that this movie came out two years after Psycho, because like mm-hmm. I, I can imagine the production was. Like maybe right around the time Psycho came out. No, it was actually um, so the production, the shooting, and the production were like super, super, super fast, and they had like a micro budget. Really, they shot it in a month. I think they wrapped it up in September, and then I think they had it edited within a month, and then I think it premiered at some festival like a month after it wrapped shooting, and then it was out in wide release in like December. Wow, which, that's like unheard of. So, um, but I don't, I, they just had a really short time frame and a really low budget and they just like did it, you know, fast. I so got, um, I got only because of my frame of reference. I got, um, I got misery vibes when I was watching this. Yes. 
little bit only because I've seen misery before I saw this and just based on a, you know, somebody being bedridden, held captive. And then like looking around the house while the person's not home trying to like, Oh, could I go use that phone? Could I get out the front door? Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I had, that's one of my notes that I wrote down. Heidelberg. Yeah. Um, say, I thought I had the exact I same if thought. Stephen King used this movie as a reference when he I wrote. I wonder. I know it's a movie he likes, so yeah. maybe it maybe. Kind of, maybe even subconsciously it kind of planted a seed, yeah. or maybe even consciously. I don't know. But the funny thing is, I never connected those dots before I watched it this time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, definitely, I think it's like a precursor to misery. A lot of the same stuff going on. There are some characters that are throwaway characters. Uh, neighbor's daughter yeah that's exactly what i was thinking about thanks hydroberg <laughs> that's exactly yeah. who i was thinking about what was her point i don't know they because they were fans of blanche's films i feel like so they were supposed to show that side of like oh like blanche still has people that enjoy her films nobody remembers baby jane right, right? right. still that's remember true. blanche blanche's yeah. films were just on tv everybody still watches them and has memories about them they write fan mail Nobody remembers baby Jane. Okay. You have to tell I think people who she is. I think you're right. I think you're but, right. But, but I'm also going to bring up the point of like, okay, so, so all these <clears throat> fan letters were hidden. Um, yeah. How did that play into the storyline? So like, and Jacqueline, the only reason why I bring this up is that this is what added to the runtime of the neighbors. Right. So, Oh, I thought your lights were on. Neighbors had nothing to do with this entire story. I get it. You know, I mean, they could have taken a shot of, you know, we want to see your sister. Uh, well, she can't. She's sleeping. Boom. Done. Mm. It was pointless. It, it was like, okay, that's fine. If you want to add to the story of, of Blanche becoming of the bigger star, they explained it at the beginning of the movie of, of the mother almost being on Blanche's side and the father being on Jane's side. Yeah, they did show that a little bit. They were like, like, not separating like them, but well, there's like a schism between a, yeah. a rift in the family. There was a belief in Jane's going to be the bigger star, or Blanche is going to be well, the bigger star. The mother sets it up right when she goes back and talks to Blanche. She says, "Like, there's yes. going to be a point where you're going to be a bigger star. Yes, and you're going to have to remember to treat your sister right." But they also <laughs> did that screening that over long screening with the producers or whoever it was of watching. I believe it was uh, uh, Jane's film. Where there's Both, like, yeah, uh, Jane, yeah, that was Jane. Yeah, yeah was Jane. They, they, they were watching the Jane film where it was like, okay, well, this is stupid. Cut it off. This okay, we're done. Bullshit. She was alcoholic and going. So she like that's what I, she was kind of going down that road already at that point. So like before the accident happened, she was already sort of doing that. That's right. the only reason I say like she wasn't that great of a character already. Like right, but yeah, yeah she accident, was- and I guess the the guilt of that and Blanche pretending like it was hers i guess that added to how she became you know deranged as an adult yeah yeah my question is is that okay so they jumped from 1917 when uh these two young ladies were young and Mm -hmm. on the stage they jumped to 1935 which would be you know the golden age of of hollywood whatever it was and they're watching this movie i thought that was really cool uh time jump but then did they go to 1962 when they were older? Yeah, they're supposed to be like in their 50s. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. 
yeah, that just didn't make sense to me because they didn't show it. They they said they 1917 and they it says them. yesterday, which like oh, you no, know that no, works no. when it's just okay, come out, okay. but it doesn't yeah, work so I well did, 50 oh, years later. I, I didn't even notice. Yeah, it jumps yeah. to the neighbors watching the film. I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure. Thing. I did see the yesterday, and I was like, okay, where did I miss something here? You know, yeah. from no, it's just that that 35 to yesterday. Yeah, things like that are saying like present day. That doesn't work so well as the film ages, right? It only works when it's first released. But I kind of want to go back to something you were talking about earlier, John, with some of these like useless characters. Yes. Um, watching it back this time, I realized that, that their function is for info dumps. And mm-hmm. so like the mother and the daughter next door talking, like the daughter is like, well, Julie said that she really did something to her sister, blah, blah, blah. And she has all this gossip about her. And her mother's like, oh, Julie is a a twit. And she's like, well, I guess she should know. And so it's like a little info dump. Plus, fun fact, the daughter is actually Betty Davis's real life daughter. So maybe that was like part of the reason the character existed. It was like, oh, find something for my daughter to do. I don't know. I kind of like that character more now. (laughs) That's awesome, though. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. You're very pretty. Thank you. Thank she you. was. And then um, the character, like the, that really long scene with the two producers watching the terrible Jane Hudson movie and then walking down the street for like 10 minutes talking about it. Huge info dump, like so that he can say like, well, as you know, Blanche has always insisted that, yeah. that the studio give Jane every, you know, the same number of movies as her. And oh, what are the odds that she'll blah, blah, blah. And I mean, it's just like, yeah, she's full of it's bourbon, just straight but- up. Yeah, textbook she, info dump urban they I feel like been. jane and jane and blanche could have had that conversation but they did though i mean well you know, they didn't like that info could but, have been but, given to us at a later point or something maybe but the th- one thing i kind of loved and it was kind of cheesy the way they did it was the way that that betty davis did joan crawford's voice calling in the booze that was really good that, 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 that was fun man that was joan like, crawford was voice. a decent actress that yeah, was joan it, crawford's it, voice it, it was joan crawford it was right it was really good because she didn't mouth it perfectly, but I like to me, it's a 1962 movie. So like even in post-production, they're not going to be able to show that perfectly or CGI it or whatever. Yeah. The, the way she called the liquor store or I guess a drugstore to get the booze of like, yeah, oh yeah. Let my daughter or let my sister have this. I, I was just kidding at the time. You know, it was like, to me, that was like a really <laughs> nice yeah. little scene. And Heidelberg, like you said, they, they did explain it later. Is that you know she's she's got so much guilt that she's become an alcoholic that she's drinking so much that that you know maybe her mind's going elsewhere and and she's gonna yeah, all these stupid things which she did. Yeah, I she's think it's pretty clear. Yeah, she really sister. is. But so I, I think that it's pretty clear throughout that like you know, when Jane's a little girl, she's a brat and she's overindulged by her father. Her mother seems to have a more realistic grip on things, but she's definitely like indulged and kind of has this like syndrome, right. That happens so often with child stars where like like the meal ticket for the family. Yeah. You're the meal ticket for the family, which is not like, I think an appropriate position for a child to be in that kind of like Mm -hmm. pressure. And, but, uh, and she's overindulged by her father and you see this like bratty behavior and then we know in the 30s, she's a lousy actress. She's already washed up by like her, you know, by the time she's in her 20s. And we know she's a bitch because we find out at the end that the reason Blanche tried to run her down was because she'd been so cruel to her at this party. It was like making fun of her, making people laugh at her. So she just continued to be a shitty person. So you have like a baseline shitty person 
but then a person who also believes that she has crippled her sister and is like both guilty about it, but also like resentful that she has to like take care of her now that she's like beholden to this person. And so like, and then like alcohol just adds fuel to the fire. And I think just combines for this perfect storm of like just total downfall. Yeah. The, the movie does a good job of making you feel like she is capable of being that person of doing that. You know what I mean? When you see her later on in life, like you feel like, Oh yeah, I could see this woman running down her sister <laughs> yeah, because she's more famous than her or like, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, we definitely, as the audience, we believe that right away. So yeah. the, the film definitely works in that aspect. Well, and Blanche seems like such a saint. And so it doesn't like, yeah, it. Ne- does. I, as a child, it never occurred to me the first time watching this that Blanche was the one who could have caused the accident. So that was like a real shock for me at like age nine or 10. Um, and I still find it a little bit shocking, even though I know it. It's like Blanche is played as, as such a kind, loving soul throughout that you would never think that she would do that. And so it really is for me a twist. Like, I, I guess there's people out there who, w- who would see it coming. But it's like the whole movie, you're shown the character of Jane, who, of course, is the sort of person who would like, try to hit her sister with the car far more than Blanche. It's mm-hmm. like obvious. So, well, I thought a beautiful twist was it, and it gave you like a little foreshadowing of um, Blanche throwing the note out the window and yeah, <laughs> the Jane finding it. And it's just like, she doesn't do anything to Blanche to like physically hurt her. I mean, she restrains her, but she never actually like hurts her. Well, because she, she feels so What's that? She starves her to death almost. Well, it's like it's well, like it starts out as really being very psychological, yeah. right? But, like I, she makes her because of the the stuff in her food, she makes her afraid to eat, even though later meals yeah. are totally yeah. fine. That's my devil's advocate. Is it that she picks up that rib or whatever she does? She goes, "It's fine." You didn't <laughs> eat your din. You didn't eat your din din. <laughs> I love, I love that, that term, din din. Yeah, you didn't eat your din din. So you don't. For get some breakfast. reason, John, hearing you say that just really hit me funny. Oh, din din. Yeah, you didn't eat your din din. I know. Is that what no, you, say you don't eat your meat. You can't have your pudding. Oh shit! Here we go. That was a well done a sideways reference. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, so John, one funny comment about that with her throwing the note out the window. So our friend Naderade, he's a another listener to the Street Chillin podcast. What up, Nate? He and I, he and I were messaging earlier about this movie, and he was like, "One thing I didn't like about this movie is." Why couldn't she just shout down shout. to the neighbor? Thank you. <laughs> she's right there. It's not like you have laryngitis or some shit. Fucking say she's like in spitting distance. All right, or sorry. at but, least make the fucking note into a paper airplane and throw I, it out I, the window. Iderberg. The thing is, is that she was able to stand up and hold on to these metal. Right, hello, help me. Yeah. She couldn't get down the stairs until later. It's like, like so that's one of my notes. Get, yeah. Yeah, that, that really that was bothered me. Yeah, it was kind of dumb. Yeah. That's like, and then there's people in the house, and the door is open to the bedroom. You can go to the stair. She goes to the end of the stairs with her wheelchair. Just shout down the fucking stairs. Hello, <laughs> help me. My sister's <laughs> kidnapped me. For Christ's sake. Yeah, Naderade was like, I have conversations with people who live two houses down from me without even raising my voice. She could have just, she could have <laughs> just hollered down to the neighbor. What the hell? And her not. How about Elvira taking so much time to try to get the bolts out of the door when you could just hit the fucking... I thought she was just going to pop the lock, not 
That's what I thought. Yeah, I was like, just gonna take that motherfucker and down. you will open it. Trust me. Could you yeah. pop the lock with just a hammer or something? Oh, if yeah. You put, yeah, put it in there and just hit it and then pry it. it you'd, yeah. yeah. You don't have to pop those little pins oh, out. I would have done the hinges. myself. If it were me, I would have done the hinges. because I, I just I, give I, a credit for like trying to help at all. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Sure. But I really cared about Blanche and and I like that character. And I was a it's kind of sucked to see her die. I was like, oh, damn. Well, you didn't yes. see die. It was off screen. I was hoping she pushed Jane down the stairs. Well, but then the movie would yeah. have ended really I fast. Know. That would have been a pretty <laughs> rad like like scene though. Like if somebody would have fell down the stairs, I would have been an homage to Psycho. Like like yeah. a camera yeah. shot of like somebody falling down the stairs. Yeah. yeah, I was I was expecting somebody to fall down the stairs at so some point. They were establishing them for a little Fucking while there. Edwin, him and, and with the stairs too, like I really thought, like, jazz. come on, like. I think Blanche could have went down the stairs like on her butt. I'm look, I look, I'm not. Yeah, crippled, so I don't know what it's like. And I don't know what the the terror of having to do things that like you're very scared because you can't move your legs or whatever. So that, you're like super still, nervous about doing anything like that. So right, I get it. Right. All that stuff really doesn't matter because she did it now. herself. She was turning yeah. over her sister. Like she was holding on to the railing trying to stand. I would have just went down like on my butt, my back. However, she was able to stand up on her legs to like, you know, she's got a sore throat. She can't yell at the people, but she was able to like use her legs. I don't think she was standing at all. I mean, I think we're supposed to believe that she has like terrific upper body strength. Yeah. (laughs) So so she can do like Heidelberg said, she couldn't get down the stairs. I don't know. Well, she did later. Yeah. Later. Remember when she was on the phone with the doctor, she she got down to the stairs and then uh, Jane comes home and like beats the shit out of her. Oh yeah, yeah that, that was Jane actually. Pretty, she got she got too. downstairs. That was a pretty dope scene, though. For nineteen sixty-two, that was, was very scary. violent. It I mean, was. That, that was like a very like like surreal scene of just like her kicking the shit out of her. Jane yeah, it was, the shit out and of her sisters too. So there's that like, I don't know. It's like fucked up to watch. You know, your sister, the one sister beat up the other one. Right. It's really fucked up, especially because Jane is basically like an old lady, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. she, and she looks like sort of she doesn't look like she'd be very strong, but she is like kicking the shit out of her. And it's just like it's really strange to see like she also a, a woman be a like kind of older woman, see a woman beating her own sister. Like, it's just very um, I yeah. think it's disturbing. I think it it's disturbing. And, and that the- part. Go yeah, on. the the look of like a <laughs> Betty Davis dragging Joan Crawford up and down the stairs like multiple times, and you see this uh, uh, or start to see her like dragging her up stairs or back down the stairs, put her on the put her on the wheelchair. I'm just like, God damn, how old is she? I mean, she's the Incredible Hulk. Should have been she's, a Marvel hero. Her strength comes from her rage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that that scene with the the phone or like after she um you know kicks. Blanche that that follows one of my favorite moments of the film like one of the I think the best like suspense moments because Blanche is on the phone talking to the doctor and, and you feel kind of hopeful right because you're like oh she's connecting with somebody somebody's going to come and help her right she's like yes yes she's violent you have to come to the house right now and then you hear Jane come in through the swinging door and Blanche hears her and we don't even see her at first, but she just kind of stops talking and she's she's like sweating profusely. Yeah. And you see her slowly, slowly, slowly turn. And you kind of see Jane out of focus in the background, just standing there staring at her and listening. And you're like, oh, fuck. Mm. And it's like because it's been so well established up to that point, like 
how psychologically cruel she is. Cause you're right. We haven't seen really anything physical up to that point. She's put the gross stuff in her food and she's trying to psych her out basically. Like, mm-hmm. like when she finds the note, you're scared, even though like why she hasn't done anything physical, but it's because Blanche is so psychologically like controlled by this person. And she's so physically limited that it's like, you feel afraid for her. And so that moment when she, she turns and she, well, for, before she even sees her, she hears the door and you can tell that she's immediately terrified. And so that's a, for me, I think that's like one of the best, most suspenseful moments in the film. Agreed. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I love the fact that they established that she could, that, that Jane can change her voice to Blanche's um, and be able to call somebody and say, Ew, this is Blanche. Go ahead. Ew. I'll take six cases of bourbon and three <laughs> cases of gin. Yeah, exactly. Holy fucking shit. She's getting wrecked. I think the most fucked up part about that, though, Jacqueline, is what you brought up is that Blanche knows what she did. Yeah, the whole thing doesn't. Jane's like, okay, well, I feel this way. And then this is like what's fucking me up even more is that I think I injured my sister and she's diving into this like, like, like hell of her own. Yeah. But Blanche knows this. Blanche so that's why Blanche is t- basically taking care of her financially this whole time. And right, but 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 Jane doesn't know that. Yeah, you're right. You know, and at, the, mean, end of, at the end of the movie, she goes, Jane, you didn't do this to me. I did it to myself. You ran off. You were so drunk. You were making fun of me. I get that. I get the psychological of, of bullying. Like, you know? I tried like, to run you over. <laughs> yeah, I tried, <laughs> I tried to run your ass over while you were opening the gate. You were able to move out of the way. I fucked myself up. Yeah. I'm dying here. Mm-hmm. And what was the last thing she did in the movie? She bought ice cream for her and her sister, a strawberry yeah. ice cream. And it's just like, fuck, that was it good. reverted back to like childhood in a sense. Yeah, exactly. You're right. right. I totally agree with you, John. And it's so crazy because like you spend this whole movie thinking that Blanche is like a saint and, and you don't find out the truth until the end. But then after you find that out, when you think back on it, like it's actually really, really fucked up. And like, um, I mean, Blanche, honestly, like if you really think about it, Blanche is like kind of a monster that she a that she did this in the first place, tried to like run her sister down. Like, I get it. Jane's like a bitch. But I mean, to try to like kill your sister by running her over and then letting her spend her whole life wasting away and like spiraling down in grief and and guilt and alcoholism and never telling her the truth. I think it's so heartbreaking when Jane finds out and she goes, oh, and all this time we could have been friends. That's exactly. She hears hears that that news and she doesn't think, why did you try to run me over, you bitch? Like she overlooks that and she's like, oh, we could have been friends. If I had just known that you tried to kill me, it would have been okay. I mean, here was the beautiful thing about that. And Jacqueline, I'm not trying to cut you off, but the way they shot this, is that Betty Davis looked like shit the entire movie. Like she was a character (laughs) and and no, Betty Davis is a No, she's a beautiful woman, but at the very end, she looks so natural. Like she had this natural look to her face, but Joan Crawford looked like a zombie at the very end. She looks like a corpse. Yeah, absolutely. And the way they shot that was like Betty Davis had her coming, come up or whatever you want to call it. it. Is that, I didn't cause this. You caused this. However, I still love my sister. So there, there was an innocence of, of when she went to the, uh, the, 
little restaurant thing or the ice cream thing. And she, right in the middle, that was very disturbing to me of a, the circle that everybody formed around her because it was, that was like her, her last performance. Was it in her mind? Yeah, it was it was like like her people were gathering around, looking at her. They were talking yeah. about her and she, she's right, loving she reverted it. back to her old. Yeah. But she believes way, that P, that's her audience. Like right. she, she's finally, putting like on she a show for good. The camera you know? shot was so yes. beautifully done. I mean, to me that, that it was like, yeah, I know we're reviewing horror movies, but this was really kind of like heartbreaking. Got me yeah. choked up a little bit, and I just went. Now, what do you think of the way the film just ends? A lot of movies in this time do that. They just kind of end. Like, it's just like the end. I think <laughs> they, the they always leave you kind of wanting more sometimes, or at least I, like a bet. I, I don't know. I think it's the time, though, Hydroberg. Yeah, I, right? I think it's just a matter of, you know, a lot of directors want to have you leave it up to your interpretation you know and i like that david lynch you know most recently is a guy that will say well you could think of it how you want to you know and well, i think I, some older films from that time frame they just like boom they put the end on the screen and you're like wait a minute what wait it's the end <laughs> i thought that was a beautiful true. bow of the movie i thought that yeah. was a beautiful bow the yeah. way it was wrapped up i mean to me it was it was so beautifully shot um you know, the fact that Joan Crawford, because she's she's a beautiful woman as well. And she looked really beautiful throughout the movie. And Betty From Davis, the, yeah. the makeup that she had just made her look terrible. But at the very end, it's like you saw the beauty of Betty Davis. And then Betty Davis. Joan Crawford. <laughs> oh, John, you should have had a little like clip of that song. And I was going to try and work it in my reach around, to be honest. But how about post-production? I'll put it in. Do Maybe it. She's got Betty Davis. End the show with it. There you go. Or just end the show with Hyderberg singing just now. All right, we'll do that. After he says his his catchphrase, I'll have him sing it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, I, I, well, Hyderberg, do you find that ending ambiguous? I don't know. Like, no, I mean, I I assume that like, I assume that Blanche is going to live, right? They're going to say, like, they're going to rush her to the hospital. Oh, I think she's going to die. You think she's totally dead? Oh, I think she's, like, pretty much dead on the beach. I feel like she's probably going to, I don't know. Like, she needs food and substance. I feel like they might be able to revive her. Like, she's not dead Yeah, I guess it is ambiguous. Dying. (laughs) And then, like, her sister cracked. Like, she's done. Like, she's probably going to be in a psych ward for the rest of her life. And And then maybe Blanche will live and have to live with that. You know what I mean? Like, She's not going to notice that the rest end of her of, life won't be great. Yeah. Did you notice that the cops are walking it. away <clears throat> as people are circling her? People are. Yeah, they uh, walk. The they're Blanche. walking to Blanche. Yeah. yeah they're they they're walking away from her, but they left the suspect just twirling around. With ice cream yeah. And- yeah. You guys, you guys are absolutely, <laughs> you guys are absolutely right. I think that was her last performance and yeah, but she knows they the show her point of view and it gets real intense. Like, the shot is like real manic, right? Like she's like, oh, I'm spinning around and but, I've but lost just, it. And people are like looking at her like, oh, my God, what's she doing? I just thought the scene of her getting the ice cream and she finds out that she did not injure her sister was like the most powerful thing. And the way, you know, there was a, obviously a little more dialogue there, but it was just the way that was shot where Betty Davis looked like a normal human being and not too much makeup on and going back and people are watching her and the cops are walking away as if, you know, okay, we forgive you. You're, you're good. But obviously she's not, it was, they wanted to tend to, yeah, she was practically dead. And then they probably figured like this chick's like, she's twirling around. She's harmless right now. Like, 
I don't know. They probably should have split up. One cop should have. Yeah, they to probably the should have. Ice cream girl and the other one to the. Uh, one last performance girl, then you're going to jail. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, get, get quick, your one John, last round of applause. I, I was scrolling my notes. Um, I did write going back to Edwin real quick. I don't know. Like you said, he might be a throwaway character, but I did notice that like there are a lot of similarities between his character and Jane's. Right. They're both people who had like some kind of career at some point that now they're kind of down and out. Right. Like he he was into music and he's looking for a job again. They both have people in their lives that they feel are keeping them down. Jane has Blanche. And he has his mother. He feels his mother's keeping him down in a sense. And so I just felt like there were some similarities there between him and Jane and why they got along a little bit, even though he was kind of just in it for the money. But I thought there might have been a little bit of, of a spark between I, not maybe like. Well, I thought romance. there was some chemistry between them, but but yeah. also they bring up that his his dad was an actor. And they're both self-absorbed. So, yeah. Yes. His dad was an actor. Um, yeah. They didn't he was British. He was a yeah. British actor. Yeah. so it's yeah. different Hyderberg, i love that scene when at their first meeting when he's standing at the mirror or the window or whatever and he's talking about his father and jane is talking about her career and stuff and it's like they're both talking but like they're they're each having they totally different conversations <laughs> i yeah. think it's so they're hilarious one that one like, like he's just like trying to one up or i felt like either one of them is listening and they're just like each talking and saying what they want to say and oh mine cut out can you hear me yeah. Okay. Now I wasn't sure if it was everybody's or maybe it's oh. just me. Maybe it was you. I don't know. Yeah, it says my internet connection is unstable. I'm unstable. Oh, no. It says your internet connection is, is baby Jane right now. Twirl around. Your internet connection is baby Jane. It's unstable. <laughs> Twirl around with some ice cream. I think it's your background. <laughs> That's what it yeah, is. The background's too taxing. It no, might be the there might be the wife beater. Maybe it's just possible <laughs> too much for the internet. The Sun's Chris out, Rock Peter. Yeah, that is the funniest Rock thing you've ever said. I think I, that <laughs> we should just officially start calling those shirts Chris Rock Peters. Mm-hmm. It was Whoa. just the right timing. Yes. But I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? Oh, uh, I just think it's so hilarious that conversation because you're right. They're both so self absorbed where they're each yeah. just having their own conversations with what they want to say, and neither one of them is listening to the other one. And it's just, it just felt, it was funny. Up. He kept saying British as if, like, well, you're a new, you're, you're an American actor, but my father was a British actor. It's different. He's British. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny about that? I do remember a line he said because um, (laughs) Jane goes, I'm going to get some tea. Oh, you knew I was British. Yeah. (laughs) Getting him tea instead of really selling this accent that I've been working on for the past week. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was so bad. He kind of played into it a little bit, too, which I thought was pretty funny. He did. All right. I'm liking this film more that we're talking about it. Uh, But okay. The things I don't like about it is the music took me out of it. And a lot really? of the scene- oh. all right. So there's some scenes where the music plays into the hysteria and like the the dread of Blanche's character or the fact that Jane's going a little bit crazy and it plays into that. But then there's some and it's just a time frame thing. It's all music and movies was like this. There's some hokey, like cartoony sort of upbeat parts where the music's just filler. And it just takes me out because the scene isn't that type of vibe, right? It's not that. And it just kind of takes me out of the, the film. And all films from this time frame have that same type of music, unfortunately, for me. I agree. That, that I, I can understand. Composing wasn't quite what it was, what it is now. I agree with that because we got introduced to Edwin because she, uh, that Jane went to the newspaper and put in an ad. Okay. Yeah. So, so for the phone number, call this. 
made no sense to me. But I, I know what you're saying. It was very hokey. Very. There are some emotional scenes or like scenes of dread that are sometimes just followed up with like zany sort of, you know, musical interludes with like, I get it. They're supposed to bridge scenes together, but they sort of they seem sitcom to me in a way. Didn't it feel a little choppy to you as well? I mean, it, it was like bit. a very serious scene with Blanche and, and Jane of her being in her being bedridden, or maybe it was like the parrot scene or something like that, where the, you know, all oh, the parrot flew away, but no, the parrot, the parrot is in the food. Yeah. And like right out immediately, she went to the newspaper and this is where she's putting out an ad for a composer or something like that. because she wants to restart her career. I feel like that was unnecessary too. Like the, I, the, the I whole did, career re jumping thing, Edwin part could probably have been cut from this film. Yeah. Mm, I, I still think he's necessary. I just think he shouldn't have had so much screen time. I, I, I still think he's necessary as like a beacon of hope for. Jane. I think they could have developed the neighbors more. Like the maybe maybe the daughter that was over there could have been more of a, could have been a fan of Jane's work as well or something like that, where Jane, they could have spoke where like, oh, you you've heard of me before. I don't know. It just felt like she why saw her head pop up and it's like, oh, my God, like somebody's trying to get our help, you know, sticking her hand out. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Edwin was he's neither here nor I know who he reminded me of. You guys ever seen the uh, show Mindhunter where yeah. the, um, the, the uh, big killer Edward Kemper guy yeah. without okay. the mustache reminded me of that guy. So it was like the, the some of the score and then like the, um, you know, just the fact that like Blanche literally couldn't scream to the neighbor next to her. like some of those things just took me out of the film a little bit. But when you find out at the end that she didn't really want to, because yeah, she did. One, yeah, no, she no, did. She, she's the one. She was in denial her. about how she how much her sister was going to go through with this. Like, it. I feel like because of her own guilt, maybe it was like I, I, I didn't want to admit thought, that she maybe turned her sister into this monster. I actually really enjoyed the way they set up of, of explaining away why she didn't call for help, why she wasn't trying. The only thing she did is knocked over a table. She could have very. Oh, she made. She threw the note out the window. Right, but John, she, are you trying to suggest that Blanche was not really trying to get rescued from from Jane? I think she had some guilt. I think the way they set it up is. I think she was in denial in the very beginning, but at some point, she, I disagree. I, I think that she knew, and and you know, I think she felt guilty. But she I, also I think that was, she was I think that she was afraid of Jane through the whole movie and was like, I think she was trying to get help. I think it's just like because this is a movie and like if she call if the neighbor comes to help her, then like the movie's over. So, okay, it's so, like, so, so you so have for, to kind of have these little stupid, unbelievable moments where she can't shout or whatever. But I think she was right. really afraid, like because there's this incident happening with their, them having to sell the house and Jane has found out about it like for the past month. I think that's like kind of the like the turning point for them and i think jane is really losing it i think blanche is like legitimately afraid of her okay yeah true that's and just my we find out that blanche, i disagree jane's I, known about it way longer than we thought right like blanche just thought she yeah, just told her I, but it seems like jane's known about it a while no i think at the right. beginning of the movie is that <clears throat> you see blanche looking at jane with jealousy right so she's like so pissed off. She's got this look in her eyes. Oh, eye. and their they're children, you mean? the child. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, yes. like when they see, uh, when Blanche and the mom are sitting on the side of the stage and watching her like get get this adulation, you know, from the dad and and uh, Jane doing her performance, is that the way they set up Blanche is like she's jealous. The way she looks at her, and, and, and when they go outside, and then 
Yeah, Jane's being her little diva self and, oh, daddy, I want ice cream. And then, okay, we'll get your ice cream. It's a hot day, but you got to say hi to all the people that came to see you, all your friends. And, and you know, she goes, okay. But like, I will like, say, and Jane says, but I want ice cream for my sister too, right? Like, and then her she sister does. Like, no, she I absolutely does. But, but the way it's they- a little callback at the end. Yeah, the, yeah. Way they, the way they shoot Blanche is like, she's jealous. Like, she's just got this angry look on her face, like, not scared of her. Just like she's jealous of her. She's she's kind of pissed off at her. Like, like, okay, so why do you get all this adulation? And I don't. And that's when the mom goes, Oh, don't worry about it. You'll be a bigger star. Because I think they're harder on Blanche. So the mother knows that, like, because we're hard on you, you're gonna you're gonna have the 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 fortitude to be the bigger star. And like if things are gonna rest (laughs) on your shoulders as you get older, and you have to look after your sister at some point, and you gotta remember. I get that, but I also think that that Blanche is not. She's not in denial. She knows exactly what happened. She's Mm -hmm. just as manipulative as Jane is. Is it bad that I don't trust Blanche, even though I know that she was? But Jane is it bad that what? Sorry, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just saying that Jane acts upon it, where Blanche holds it back until the very end and says, well, nope, you didn't do this to me. I did this to myself. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck? Really? (laughs) I don't know. It's like, is it bad that even with that reveal, I still like the Blanche character. Like I still feel for her. I get, no, I, I, you know, I feel for both of them. I mean, we're supposed to, right? Like that's what makes it a, a, a good film. So yeah, it's not so like black and white, but I mean, I really despise things about both characters, but I think we also see a lot of humanity in both characters, even Jane. And, you know, and it's, she's not just a a grotesque caricature of herself, you know? Um, Well, she's not. I mean, again, she brings food to her sister every single day. So they set it up to where it's like every single day, three times a day, she's bringing food to her sister. And then all of a sudden something snaps inside of her. She's putting a dead parakeet or a dead rat in there, which is fucked up. Don't get me wrong. That's a totally terrible thing. That was her sister's pet, too. She killed her sister. Exactly right. Extra fucked up. It is. It totally is. But the fact that if you think before that is that her sister is so guilt ridden that she's bringing her food every single day in this beautiful, like, um, what do they call those things? Uh, Silver tray, like a serving set. Colanders or whatever they call those things. They they, they put the over the plates, whatever it is, but she's bringing her coffee and milk and and breakfast. That's pretty sweet. I know. (laughs) And Dindin. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. <laughs> I, had bring, I had to bring that one back. Sorry. <laughs> I, have to, I think I adjusted my score now after. All right. All right. Well, do you guys want to wrap it up or did you have any other major things to say? Uh, Jacqueline, I wanted to ask you, have, have you read the novel? I haven't. I, okay. I, I know there is one, but I yeah. have not read it. It seems to be pretty well liked. Hmm. Um, if you just browse through reviews on Amazon and Goodreads and stuff, people... I wouldn't say uniformly, but a, a, a majority of people are like, oh, this book is so great. It's even better than the movie. So yeah. I think it, it got, should probably go on my to read list. When when did um, I, I, what's the name of the movie with Mommy Dearest? Is that that's the name of the movie? Mommy Dearest? Mommy. Yeah. So that's I got Faye Mommy Dunaway Dearest playing a little bit Joan. from this too, like having. That Sorry, was Joan Crawford who played that role. No, Mommy Dearest oh. is about Joan Crawford, but oh, okay. it's Faye Dunaway playing Joan Crawford. Oh, yeah yeah I got a that's a good movie too though i like watching it on mother's yeah Day. and i just i just i remember scenes from that movie about and like parts of this movie reminded me a little bit of that like 
where one person comes into the room and just sort of uh, like attacks the other one yeah about yeah yeah so basically in that movie it's about how joan crawford is like terrorizing her daughter like she's the jane in that movie (laughs) i'm sure there's trivia about that huh about well i have i have i think you'll enjoy my trivia all right cool. i can't wait <laughs> all right so jacqueline you picked this movie uh whatever happened to baby jen 1962 how are you gonna rate this bad boy uh god i just i feel like i just have so many thoughts about this film so i i mean the first thing i have to say is just the acting performances by both betty davis and joan crawford are so perfect i i really think they're perfect and Betty Davis got the showier role and she got the Oscar nomination. But I think Heidelberg said earlier that, you know, Joan Crawford's performance is really amazing too. Yeah, I mean, right. it's not as showy, it's, but it's understated and it kind of evokes a lot of emotion. It makes me feel a lot of pity for her. Mm-hmm. So acting performances are amazing. Um, I really like the look of the house's interior. Me too. It, it looks like kind of a cool California ranch style, but it looks just a little dilapidated, like a little too old, like nothing has been updated. And so it kind of has almost a Gothic feel to me Mm -hmm. where it's like it once was. Yeah, it's very shadowy. It seems like it once was very beautiful. And now it's like a little shabby and a little rundown and just kind of like a little decay. The two two women that are and their their relationship. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, there are so many like moments that are repulsive, but also dismaying, like the bird and the food and the rat and the food. Um, oh, the moment. Oh, I love this moment where Jane is first practicing with Edwin. He's like just, you know, picking up the sheet music and playing her song. And she walks into the room and starts dancing and she turns a light on and you almost see it as though you're in an audience and she's on the stage, but it's the first time you see this really bright artificial stage lighting on her. And it makes her look so grotesque and hideous. Mm. I mean, it's like chilling. Like you, it feels like you're looking at a monster. Um, I love that moment. You're like, Oh my God, what is this person? (laughs) Um, I, I love that moment. It's so effective. Um, I think it's really sad. I think this movie is like a cautionary tale about show business and jealousy and yeah. petty rivalries, which is so perfect because in real life they had this extraordinarily petty rivalry. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but yeah. but you'll you'll find out later they did not learn anything from the message behind this movie. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a sad movie. Like when Edwin it's- walks in and says she's dying it's like so sad um oh and finally sorry one one more moment that i love when they're when they are first sitting on the beach together jane has brought blanche to the beach and she's feeling a little bit exhilarated and she's like oh i love the ocean uh blanche you should you should sit up and look at the ocean meanwhile blanche is like sprawled out on the sand and she looks like she's dead and it's like just she's like jane is so sick that she doesn't realize that her sister is like on the verge of death. She's like, you should look at the sea. It's like, okay, crazy. Um, <laughs> as you guys said, I really love the character of Elvira. I think she, they did her dirty with her demise. Um, she deserved better than that, but she's a strong character. She's a character that you, you kind of root for because she's the only person who will really stand up to Jane. And she's like very assertive. She's like, I'm, I don't have my key and clearly lies and then comes back and is like, oh, I guess I did. (laughs) 
Um, but she really cares and she's really trying to, she's the only person who's like taking action on Blanche's behalf. Uh, I love, I do love most of the score in this film. I agree with Hydraberg about their moments where the music is silly and kind of like too upbeat for what's going on in in the scene, but the moments where the music is dark and, um, like ominous, I think it really adds to the suspense. And so I I like that, especially because you hear the same theme throughout, like that little melody from I've written a letter to daddy. And then they, they change it to a minor key and they bring it down a lot lower and it sounds very dramatic. And I really like that. Um, And the cinematography is great. I think the film looks great, like a great play of light and shadow. It's never too dark to where you can't tell what's going on. I think it just, it looks really good. Even what, like 60 years later. I don't know if I'm doing my math right, but I think it's like 60 years later. Yeah, it is. So that's, that's, that's good stuff. Um, Things that I great about this movie. I I think a lot of it is very dated. I think some of this is just a product of its time. It's too long. I think you could shave at least 30 minutes off of it, maybe even 45. Get rid of some of these info dumps and find more like dramatic ways to show this information rather than just like having one uh, unnecessary character explain it in detail to another unnecessary character. uh, and then Elvira, as much as I love her, I don't like what happens to her. I, again, I get that it's the 60s, so it's this is a product of its time. But you guys know I hate when there's a Black character who exists only to be of assistance to, like, a white protagonist, but then is, a, is basically, like, disposable and gets killed mm-hmm. off um, for no reason. I, like, that's... it's It just doesn't allow this character to really be fully fleshed out it's like they're they're not even human they're just disposable so I I don't like that she was done dirty I'm pretty sure that wouldn't happen today if they did an update incidentally they did do a remake of this for tv in um 91 yeah okay so you already know um but it stars Vanessa and Lynn Redgrave so real life sisters Mm -hmm. playing these roles I've never seen this tv movie do you recommend watching it after this I haven't seen it, so I don't know, but I just, in my head, I'm like, this can't be good. <laughs> so, I, I, I know about it. Like, like Jacqueline, since you brought it to us, is like, I've never seen this movie, period. Like, the original. Yeah, so yeah. I, I had no interest on seeing the remake, but I did hear about that, and I don't know. I mean, so it's like I, the I'm TV. Actually, I'm what? curious to see it now. I'll pick it for my next pick. You're welcome. Like, the TV <laughs> version of The, uh, the Shining wasn't as good as the movie but it was pretty good as far as like a tv version there were elements of it that were good i remember at the time that's true i I haven't seen it in a long time yeah there are elements of that that are good but it still doesn't hold a candle to the uh the original but so anyway so they did do a a a tv movie version um i don't know maybe maybe i'll watch it but i just don't have high hopes um oh also just another note this movie sort of kicked off a very minor subgenre known as hag horror or mm. psycho bitty horror starring <laughs> like aging say, we need more like, of that. well i can give you other recommendations there are some good ones um lady in a cage where olivia de havilland is like trapped in this like little cage while burglars ransack her house um and then there's hush hush sweet charlotte which stars betty davis and it was supposed to co-star joan crawford but then she 
was like just not able to get along with anybody. And so I, Olivia I want a modern her. take. I want a Robert Eggers. Crawford slap Eddie Davis in the face. Movie. <laughs> yeah, a Robert Eggers. Maybe that would be done right by Robert Eggers. Maybe so. So uh, so this was kind of like the first film of that. And like audiences loved it. They love to see these aging, uh, you know, golden age Hollywood actresses, you know, movie stars playing these deranged roles. They loved it. So um, anyway, there's a whole bunch of those, but it's like a little minor subject. Anyway, my rating, given all that stuff weighed against, you know, all the good and the bad weighed against each other. I still love this movie a lot. I still find it really engaging. Again, I think that's probably because I grew up with it. So it's like, I just don't notice the the drawbacks as much. Um, But watching this time, I I did see them more clearly than I have in the past. So, but I, I, I just can't take off too much because I feel like this is so iconic. I just feel like these characters are iconic. And once you've seen it, I feel like you will never forget it. And so um, I, I still give this film eight out of 10 rats in the dish. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> Thank you. So eight out of 10 rats in the dish. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. Despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go real quick because uh, okay, I know Hydraberg has some thoughts about it. Um, because apparently he's going to change his score. Um, I'm 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 going to say this movie's an absolute classic, a must watch. Um, yeah, the movie's long as fuck. I, I, God, there is a lot. Like you said, Jacqueline, you could chop off this movie. The score, a little silly at times. I I, I thought you brought up a scene that we didn't really talk about was when Edwin first met Jane and he's playing the music. And I thought that was a really beautifully shot scene because it was like you were watching from the audience, you know, this old style um, light bulbs or whatever it was while he's playing the piano and she's singing, she's dancing. And the way, the way he played the score of it went down to her voice because obviously she's a little older, so she's not able to like hit those high notes or whatever it was. But she's singing the same song at the very beginning of the movie. And it was just, it was beautifully shot. I mean, I can't say enough about that, that beat shot at the very end of her dancing mm. around. And the, the way the people circled her on the beach was so wonderful. Um, I think you're right. I think this movie's really sad. This is really, really like, like it hits you right in the feels. Um, but I think, Overall, it's about family, regardless of what your family goes through. Um, I don't know. There's not a lot I can really pinpoint. You're right. There's there, there's some characters in here that are throwaway characters to give you that info dump of, okay, this is exactly what's going on with this character. So let's let's explain it a little bit more. So cut that out. I mean, again, I I'm a little interested to see the remake from 1991, but. I, Man, this movie's an absolute classic, and I think you need to watch it. So I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10 rats in a, what was that on a plate? Rats in a dish. Rats rats in a dish. So 7.5 out of 10 rats in a dish for me. Classic. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you found it to be a classic. I'm pleased that, that you enjoyed it. That makes me happy. I enjoyed it very much. So um, thank you again for introducing me to me. Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree. I just think it's so sad. To me, it's like about things that are lost and wasted that didn't have to be that way anyway i think psycho feels the same kind of way 
Psycho, like, and not to spoil Psycho, I think Psycho's got this kind of very not sad story. <laughs> it's I got think. what? No, it's got a sad story behind it. Of yeah, without spoiling it because we may talk about it. I don't know, but I think it's got that same kind of you know sad feeling behind it. Yeah, there, I think there's a lot of pathos in that film too. I agree with you. Yeah. Hyderberg, right. I'm dying to hear your score. Me too. Tell us, tell us your rating <laughs> and your review. All right, so uh, I'll give you some uh, positives. Um, I think Joan Crawford was delightful in this movie. I just really, I don't know, I was like really drawn to her character from the beginning. Um, you know, you find out later on that like she's not without guilt. Obviously, she has tremendous guilt. Uh, she's done. She's done some fucked up things, too. And uh, that's <laughs> created Jane. Jane was on a path to become the woman that she is anyway. But I feel like she was definitely driven further uh, because of that. Um, uh, and Betty Davis also flexed her acting chops like tremendously as well, too. I feel like um, for me, like. Joan Crawford's, like I said, it was more uh, subtle and you got more of the emotion from her. So I guess maybe I was driven towards that performance right away. And because Betty Davis is, is more of a little bit over the top, but over time, like, yeah, I, it, because that's the way the character is. Like, she's just she's out there, like, because of what she's been through. So it makes sense for her to be that way. And also she's it's also she's like pulling from her stage presence as well. It's not just her her own personality as Jane. She's baby Jane, you know what I mean? So she's like larger than life because of that. You know, she hasn't, she's reliving those old days constantly. She's never let go. Uh, I think the score sets the mood really well in certain scenes. And I feel like it gives that sense of dread for Blanche in, in most of the scenes and also the hysteria that Jane's going through. You get a, a good, a good amount of that as well. I do feel on a negative note, I wrote down that, you know, there's some scenes of, of the score that just don't make sense for me. They kind of, they're filler. And I feel like, um, I think this film would be prime if like a modern composer went back in, you know, they do this with some films nowadays and like rescored the, the thing and then put out a new version on like a disc or something like that. Like as a behind the scene, like Blu-ray type physical media uh, release. And that would be pretty cool. Cause I think it's interesting. Yeah, I just feel like, oh, man, like there's certain scenes that I feel like there's more dread in them or just emotion or like some kind of uh, like an orchestral score or something in the background a little bit more than that sitcom sort of. Yeah, I, don't know. I hear you. I think that's yeah, an interesting work, idea. I think it would work for me so much better. You know who I would choose for that? Um, Nicholas Brattel. He okay. is he did the theme music for the show Succession. I don't know if you guys. OK, I haven't have watched, watched that. that. The, the music for that, like I never listen to TV or movie scores. Like I know some people do. I never do that. But the music in Succession is so good. Like I'll just be like cleaning the house and listening to Succession that music. Show does have similar themes, like family mm-hmm. and like, yeah, and yeah, sibling yeah. rivalry and stuff like that. So very true. But he's like super talented and has done like a ton of high profile um, movie scores, and everybody's like, oh, he's a genius. So I bet okay. he could do a, an awesome score for. So I'm sure he's listening right now. So <laughs> Nicholas, Patel, please come do a, a new updated score for whatever happened to be. Yeah, James, please. please. Thank you. Thank you. I also I really like the premise quite a bit. Um, I, it was really good. It was a really good premise on it. Honestly, I, I did like the whole show business aspect and the sisters living together uh, and this, the twist at the end. I didn't see it coming. 
Like, I really didn't. And for a film back then to throw a twist at you like that, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, so, like, I did like, I, I really did like the way it landed. Um, I do think it's super dumb that Blanche can't scream out a window. And <laughs> I have to be critical of these scenes. Like, these are realistic. Sure, yeah. It's shot realistically. Like, this is really happening. And, like, you, I feel like you should have been able to get down to the phone sooner. Like, risk it, at least. Risk it for the biscuit. Like, get down there and fucking get that phone. <laughs> Or, you know, scream out the window a little bit louder. Like, instead of making that note while the lady's tending to her garden, just scream out the fucking window. <laughs> hey, can you come in here? Call the police. Like, she's right there. She's doing her fucking gardening. Sorry. Maybe just, that maybe that, was the intent. that 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 to me that that was my biggest argument. With your head off of price, that, that was the intent. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know. My bad. Oh, you're right. No, Hydrabird, you're right. The, you're right. It took me out of the scene because it's like a dramatic scene where, like, oh shit, is she gonna get help? Is, and then I'm just like, wait, she's why can't she scream? Is she like, did she? Yeah, there should have been some other factor her that was like preventing her something from... that like took away her voice or something like that. Yeah, soup or something like that, that would have been a, a great prelude to that. But like, oh, she can't fucking speak anymore. Yeah, I don't know. something should just... have happened to prevent her from. But there really know. was not. There really was no reason why she couldn't. So, yeah, I agree. With uh, you. Edwin's acting. Jeesh. Oof, <laughs> um, also, I found the film to be a little boring at times just because of pacing. But I think ultimately editing would have fixed that. Like we said, if it was just tightened up, I think I would have enjoyed it more. This is my first time, though. So yeah. um, I wasn't as satisfied with the ending only because of the way it just like, I, like I said, the older films just write the end and then they're just gone. <laughs> But the actual ending itself, like well, now we're talking about it, like the ending actually did hit, you know, and them circling around and it's ambiguous. So we are left to leave, like, hey, you know, it's over and you just you figure it out on your own. Like, did did uh, what did what happened to Jane? You know, she obviously cracked. But what, what did her sister die? Was Blanche dead? We don't know. Like, I don't know. And we just fill in the rest on our own. So um, and then it's two hours and 14 minutes. Like, seriously. <laughs> and long. most films were long back then. So I get it. Like. I just it, it could have been tighter. I wish it was, you know, um, so that those are dings. Uh, so with that said, I'm going to give whatever happened to baby Jane. I'm giving it a five point five out of ten rats on a dish. So it is a fuck. I'm, I'm going to okay. move it up to fuck material. Right. And with, I'm going to I might watch it again. Uh, it's just so long. That's the only thing that bothered me. The pacing yeah. and, and it feels longer than it. Sh- even though it's long, it also feels long. You know, some movies are long and don't feel long. This one felt long as well as being long. I felt the same way. Yeah, it yeah. felt like homework. I I recognized it more for its, you know, it being a classic. And it, the, like yeah. you said, I I think your biggest point was the story behind it. The plot was yeah, no, and, and that was good. So and the performances were excellent. And like, oh gosh, Oof. as I'm watching, it, I'm like, I understand why Jacqueline likes this movie that much because I can picture, like, I know you watched it when you were younger too, and I'm like, it must have just totally connected with you like on a nostalgia level now as an adult like you 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 look at it in a, in a certain light and i'm like i could see that because it is a really good film like and i wonder the novel is probably pretty good just based on what they you know what they did with the film you know what i'll read it and then when i'm done with it i'll i'll tell you guys we'll do like a little on a future book. episode we can yeah. do a side bonus episode where you review the the uh, novel i'm curious I need to do a bunch of those i've actually i've read like a lot of horror novels lately so i need to we do could, a bunch right? of little side episodes did you guys like I, I guess the one thing that i really appreciated about this movie is that i didn't feel the black and white i didn't oh, it, it didn't bother me no i there, there was one scene where uh 
Betty Davis drove up to a, a, a light, like a traffic light. So green, yellow, red, whatever it was. I didn't feel that. I mean, the it, only it time did, I felt it. You didn't feel the, the traffic beginning. light? Yeah. The only time I felt it was <laughs> in the beginning when, when Baby Jane exits the fucking like stage door. Okay. And everybody standing outside is they're all wearing white dresses. But oh. <laughs> obviously they're not really all wearing white dresses, probably. <laughs> but every single woman has a white dress on. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I just I, I didn't get that vibe. I didn't get this old vibe to it. But but Jacqueline, you also brought up, you know, the character of uh, of Elvira, of it felt of its time of how they treated people, which was awful. Yeah. like to me mm-hmm. that I didn't hit on it a lot. But I agree with you. I think it was just she got done dirty big time. You got a little bit of it with the cabana guy or with the uh, the guy with, at this, the food cart or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, you got that, too. So what? just his behavior. Who are you talking about? The, the guy at the very end at the at that little restaurant. Oh, thing. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, he was a person of color, and you could tell just like the way he spoke to the police and stuff. It was, yeah. you know, yeah. you could tell you're watching a dated film. Yeah. So the, uh, one of my trivia points is that there was some consideration of making the film in color, but I think Betty Davis was the one who objected and said, you'd just be making a sad story. You'd just be like making a sad story look pretty. True. She's not wrong. And I think her so. I think her appearance probably plays better in black and white. I think so, too. Because like, you can see the white makeup that makes her and then the, the black eyeliner and just makes her look so bad. Yeah. Yeah. It looks I, very agreed. stark. Yeah. Because like Hitchcock could have done that with Psycho, too. But he decided mm-hmm. to, keep it yeah, he black fought and white. to have it in black and white. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Right. I literally wrote Something my notes. The shadows. Like, Jane looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> she did. <laughs> she yeah. totally did. All right. Yeah. More trivia. All right. I'm excited. Oh, for this. Yeah. I want to hear. I want to hear this rivalry. That oh, it's I mean, it's just like I, I find it very amusing, um, by the way. But before I start that, I'll, I just looked it up. The TV movie version from 1991 is only an hour and 33 minutes. So I don't know. Maybe that's worth a watch. Like maybe we should watch it and just see how it how they you know, if that helps things or whatever. So, uh, OK, let me find my trivia here. I mean, there's just so much pettiness. Okay. Goddamn actresses, I swear. I mean, these were like some real divas. Yeah, a bunch of divas, that's all. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) Betty Davis had a Coca-Cola dispensing machine installed on set during filming, and this was deliberately done to provoke Joan Crawford, (laughs) who was who was the widow of Pepsi chairman, Alfred Steele. Oh, and, uh, and she was a celebrity spokesperson for that company. So she had a Coke machine installed just to piss her off. Uh, wow. um, so Betty Davis actually had a lot of control over her. She basically created her own makeup look for the movie. Um, she said that like no makeup man would have done what she wanted her face to look like. Like she wanted to make herself look as hideous as possible. She had no like, pride or diva behavior about she wasn't like oh i must look pretty she was like i want to look wretched yeah because she envisioned this character as really being like a hideous freak basically um but she was like no makeup man is gonna do what i want so i'm just gonna create this look myself and she said she imagined the older jane as someone who would never wash her face and just but just put on another layer of makeup and when her daughter who plays the neighbor's daughter next door when she first saw her in full makeup, she said, oh, mother, this time you've gone too far. <laughs> so I, find that I love that fact. I think that's fantastic because she yeah. did look so good or yeah. so bad, if you will. No, yeah. I mean, I think it was very effective. I mean, it's Absolutely. very iconic and memorable. That's like really um, spot on makeup. I think she was on to something. 
Yeah. So their budget was so small for this movie. They couldn't hire like um, extras to be the people on the crowd on the street. They couldn't hire like a driver or have Joan or I mean, um, Betty Davis just like driving a car in front of a green screen. So it's really Betty Davis dressed as baby Jane Hudson, who's just driving around Hollywood, like with regular people just in character and like people on the street looking at her like um, Betty Davis. Yeah. That was a dope car, though. It was dope. Yeah. Uh, oh, so I guess Betty Davis must have lived longer than we thought. Uh, in 1987, she said, to this day, I smile when I remember the first time Jane drove down Beverly Boulevard in, the, in an old Hudson. That was the name of the car. The expressions on the faces of people in other cars when they saw me were hysterical. Lots of mouths dropped. Oh, wow. So just Jane. The name uh, of the car was Hudson also? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, a Hudson. I don't know. Uh, the film was a smash hit upon well, that initial was their release. name in the movie. Exactly. Yep. The film was a smash hit upon initial release, recouping its original budget in only 11 days and eventually grossing $9 million. Wow. Adjusted to 2017 figures, that would be like $72.5 million. Oh my God. $72.5 million. That's oh, huge. Wow. Yeah. Both and those... their budget. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Their budget, I think, was like three quarters of a million dollars. I mean, it's got Betty Davis and Joan Crawford in it, right? So people people filled those seats to see those two. That would well, be a Blumhouse budget for sure. I mean, yeah. like they being able to exceed that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, so I think that this, the casting was done deliberately to play upon this like publicly known feud that they had in, in real life. It was basically like stunt casting. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this will really get butts in seats because we know these two broads hate each other. Let's get them on the screen together with one of them beating up on the other. So their chemistry was fantastic in this movie. <laughs> we didn't mention that either because their chemistry back and forth, and maybe it was like done, I don't know, separately, but man, it was so good. They were professional enough that when they were on screen together, they they did their thing. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. So Betty Davis was nominated for an Oscar for her performance, which I think is rightly deserved. Had Davis won, it would have set a record number of wins for one actress at that time. According to um, this book about their feud, they had a lifelong mutual hatred, mostly stemming from like competition over men and competition over movie roles. Cause you know, they were like coming up in Hollywood at the same time and they eventually came to work for the same studio. So they were like directly competing for like the best roles. So they, that's where it came from. It was like fighting over boys and fighting over work. Didn't Ryan but, Murphy come up with the show? Yes. So oh. he, he came up with a mini series um, on FX, I think from 2017 and just called feud Betty and Joan. And I think it's like eight episodes and it's, it's just about the filming of this movie and their dislike of each other. I haven't actually seen it, but it's out there if you want to, you know, stream it. So I would uh, actually check that out. <laughs> yeah, I want to, it's just, I don't feel like spending the money right now because I, I don't have it streaming for free. Um, so Joan Crawford, when Betty Davis was nominated for the Oscar, she began actively campaigning against Betty Davis <laughs> to win the award. And she told Anne Bancroft, you know, who eventually won, she yeah. told Anne Bancroft that if she were unable to accept her award for any reason, she would gladly accept it for her. So she did win. And on Oscar night, Anne Bancroft couldn't attend. Joan Crawford with both Joan and Betty were waiting in the wings. And when they announced Joan, uh, I'm getting all these names confused. When they announced Anne Bancroft as the winner, Joan just like brushed past her without even saying excuse me and just like 
went on stage to accept the Oscar for her. She just like what a bitch brushed her aside. <laughs> yeah, glad she died in the movie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, so no, no, uh, she died. Well, it's possible. It's very possible. Uh, when to- when could have given her the ice cream. <laughs> that's true. Uh, when Betty Davis and Joan Crawford were first suggested for the leads in the film, supposedly the Warner Brothers studio head replied, I wouldn't give a plugged nickel for either one of those two old broads. Mm. Recalling, recalling this story, Betty Davis laughed at her own expense. The following day, she reportedly, oh, so she was telling the story in an interview. Sorry, mm. that's me. Uh, the next day, she got a telegram from Joan Crawford saying, in the future, please do not refer to me as an old broad. Whoa! <laughs> well, oh, like um, you said, it was petty. I it guess. was petty. Yeah. While Betty Davis took delight in looking dreadful for the film, the opposite was true of Joan Crawford. Even though Blanche had once been a beautiful young actress, she was now in her fifties, confined to a wheelchair, emaciated and wasting away. It was difficult for Crawford to appear unattractive, since she'd always been very glamorous. And Betty Davis says it was a constant battle to get her to not look gorgeous. She wanted her hair well-dressed. She wanted her ca- her gowns to be beautiful and her fingernails with red polish. Um, but she wanted to look attractive, but she was wrong. Oh, and also she insisted on wearing like um, what were called falsies, but like basically like, um, what do you call Like something to boost her boobs, like oh, padding yeah. her bra. Like the basically. All right. Yeah. I thought she, I, I, I thought yeah I thought Joan Crawford actually looked really good in this movie. Uh, what yeah. Betty Davis did was before, they, um, before she was being starved to death. Like yeah. she looked good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought For so too. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it sounds like she was pretty vain. I had a little like, bit of a crush on her. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, I, I don't anymore. <laughs> Hyderberg, look up pictures of her when she was younger. Oh, so that's another thing is um when they're watching the old Jane Hudson movie that they're like, Oh, this is so terrible. That's a real Betty Davis movie. So that's like really her and her youth. And then when Joan Crawford is watching the TV and seeing her own old movie, that's really a Joan Crawford movie. It's funny. I'm like looking up her IMDB right now, Betty Davis. And it's like, this movie is definitely speaking on real life. Cause like most of her films are taking place in 1933, 35, mm-hmm. 34, when her character is her, her prime as an actress as well yes exactly so, yeah it's totally like yeah um so let's see oh so during the so joan crawford acknowledged to a reporter the difficulty she was having with betty davis because of that oscar incident when she just like brushed by her um so joan crawford said she acted like baby jane was a one-woman show after they nominated her what was i supposed to do let her hog all the glory act like i hadn't even been in the movie she got the nomination i didn't begrudge her that but it would have been nice if she'd been a little gracious in interviews and given me a little credit i would have done it for her Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. sounds bitchy yeah uh despite her criticisms betty davis did have some praise for joan every now and then she called Crawford a pro who was always on time and always knew her lines perfectly. She also saw some similarities between herself and Crawford. She said, I suppose we have the same drive. She's a survivor and so am I. And I suppose I do infuriate people the same way she does. (laughs) Betty Davis felt that Joan Crawford's behavior was reasonably under control and suggested it was because I suppose she wanted to be as professional as I was. <laughs> That's a little backhanded compliment. A huh? little backhand, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. When Joan Crawford started sending little gifts and notes to the crew to win their affection, Betty Davis sent her a note telling her to get off the crap. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. 
Uh, I'm gonna have to watch that show about the two of them. It I, I, like I kind of want to watch it now. Like, it sounds oh, juicy, right? Yeah, it sounds like there's so much to play on. Yeah. Oh, man. Joan Crawford. Sorry, this is just too good. I got to keep reading these. Joan Crawford was scheduled to appear along Betty, alongside Betty Davis on a publicity tour, but she canceled at the last minute. Betty Davis claimed that she backed out because she didn't want to share the stage with her. And in a tele- uh, phone conversation with a reporter, um, Joan Crawford urged Betty Davis to go watch the film after it wrapped. And Davis wasn't interested. But later, when she didn't hear back from her, she called Betty Davis and said, or uh, Betty Davis said, you were so right, Joan. The picture is good. And I was terrific. <laughs> and I guess that pissed Joan off. And she was like, she couldn't even say one little thing about me. I bet you they started gossip. I bet you they were the best of friends. But like when it came to the tabloids, they caused a lot of this shit by themselves. Mm-hmm. I think Maybe they so, were like yeah. the best of friends. But because, I mean, it was yeah. like, how could you have that much ha- hatred towards somebody? And no, it doesn't make. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Jack. They probably enjoyed picking on each other a little bit and drumming Absolutely. up publicity. Like they yes. probably kind of. It, it was probably good for them to have people talking about them and keeping them relevant. They, they would have tea yeah. every Sunday together and just like, okay. What, what I mean, I don't know if they went that far, but <laughs> what are we going to cook up this week? Uh, Ingrid Bergman, Susan Hayward, Rita Hayworth, Catherine Hepburn, Jennifer Jones, and Ginger Rogers were all considered for the role of Baby Jane. Tallulah Bankhead, Claudette Colbert, Olivia de Havilland, and Marlene Dietrich were considered to play Blanche. So these are all like old stars from the 30s. I don't know if you guys know all those people, but mm-hmm. um, oh, Joan demanded a body double for the scenes where Jane attacked Blanche, claiming that she had needed stitches after Betty had kicked her in the head. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know. I just kind of find that hard to believe, but that's what Joan said. And then she would put weights in the pockets of her robe so that when Betty was trying to drag her around, she'd be even heavier. <laughs> Again, they're starting their own shit here. That's it. Oh my God. Yeah, that sounds yeah. all right. Go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. And then this is the last thing I have to say. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that they were fighting over men and stuff. So apparently, Betty was seeing this one dude. Um, I forget his name, but she was seeing this one dude. And then Joan tried to like steal him away from Betty says, Miss Crawford apparently invited the gent over for dinner, but greeted him completely naked in her solarium. Whoa. So, and then she married him. Joan Crawford married the dude. Ah. They later got divorced, but the rift between them stayed strong. And Betty Davis reportedly said of Joan, she slept with every male star at MGM, except Lassie. (laughs) (laughs) And then Joan said about Betty, she looks like she's never had a happy day or a night in her life. Oh. So that is all the petty, petty bullshit that I have to report about them. That was juicy. That was entertaining, actually. That was some really good <laughs> I Sorry, I know that was super long, but I just oh, I no. it was really no, it was good. Jacqueline, that was fantastic. That, that, that was very entertaining. I love that. Now I want to watch the show. <laughs> I, we, we probably should. I think we should. Did anybody get slapped at the Oscars that they were at or no? Probably. I bet I bet Joan Crawford probably slapped Betty Davis backstage. Mm. Right, I right wouldn't be surprised. Slap that ass. You kick me in the head, I'm gonna bitch slap you. And wear weights in my dress. I gotta tell you, I don't know that I having watched this film and not knowing about that the their tiffs, like I didn't pick up on it. Like they were just actresses doing their thing. So yeah, maybe it did add to the to their acting. But um, well, their chemistry on, up on screen for yeah, sure. The chemistry on on screen was just fine; like it worked perfectly. They seemed like sisters. 
that were at each other's throats a little bit. So yeah, I guess that works. It just Actually, didn't. It, one thing I there were professionals not. about it at least. Yeah, Betty yeah. Davis's hair, the way it was like a like a um, it was little, curled all the time. Yeah, it was yeah. like a doll's hair. Or something. Yeah, she it had that same style as a young girl. Yeah, and yeah. I forget. It's like she had go. totally stunted growth. Like she just mm-hmm. stopped yeah. developing at like age nine or whatever. She was stuck in the old days. Mm-hmm. Or she reverted back to them. Because when she's an actress in the 30s, she does look like she's she's moved on from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. She looks very stylish, very of yeah. the day. Yeah. 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 But apparently um, her drinking was the main issue. And yeah. But the. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a funny scene where she's like going through the bottles, like looking through. Has They're all empty. Why do you still have them? I have no idea. Are you making candles or something? Uh, you could. <laughs> well, I think back in those days you could trade. Like people would regularly trade in their gra- their glass bottles and stuff for cash okay. refunds. Like you could yeah, return them. You could return one. them, and I don't know. Anyway, I like that so, she had booze delivered. That's pretty yeah. handy. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that now on Uber Eats, I think. Yeah, yeah. Grubhub. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm really glad that you guys, um, you know, ended up on the positive side of, of whatever happened to baby Jane. I think it was a good, a good talk. It was loved it. Yeah, no, it was a good pick. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Well, it's something a little different. You know, we've just been doing a lot of very recent stuff, so it's fun to kind of have a little throwback. Hyderberg, what Uh-oh. do we have on the, on the schedule for next? All right. Week's? Next week's pick. That's mine. And I've chosen the Swedish film. Let the right one in from Ooh. 2008. Awesome. Not to be confused with the American remake, Let Me In, from 2010. All right. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. film is streaming on Hulu, Amazon, Crackle, and Vudu, I believe, all for free. Oh, nice. If you're subscribed on, on any of those. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Good to movie. know. Yeah. Well, don't give it away, John. But all right. I hate it. I hate that. I movie. too enjoy <laughs> the film some enough to bring it on. Look, the show. I'm very indifferent to that movie. I am yes. too indifferent to that film. All of our true opinions will be total surprises next week. Yes. <laughs> that film may or may not be trash. I don't know. I'm so indifferent to it. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> All if right, I was serving well, that film lunch, there might be a dead bird on the fucking film. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it would be a tuna fish sandwich. With, with or without potato chips on it. There you go. Oh, Maybe. Well, you will all just have to wait in suspense until yes. next week. When we do our review of Let the Right One In from 2008. All right. In the meantime, if you'd like to email us any thoughts about whatever happened to Baby Jane or any, uh, you know, preemptory thoughts on Let the Right One In, feel free to send us an email at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. Uh, if you know what happened to Baby Jane, you can hit <laughs> us up on Instagram at a cut above dot horror underscore review. That, that got me. You popped me on that one, buddy. Thank That's you so much. <laughs> I know what happened to baby Jean. <laughs> you got some ice cream and you can find us. Cut above ice Hold cream. It. Lieutenant Dan, I got ice cream. I got ice cream. <laughs> or review. And it's tickets. Was- <laughs> tickets. Okay. Um, I said that at work the other day. Sorry to interrupt, but I just said it just came uh, out you? of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, you said tickets. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Uh, we want to thank everybody for giving us the uh, five-star rating on <laughs> Spotify. That's it, awesome. I mean, seeing that five-star review is awesome. Yes, uh, we want to yeah, thank, thank everybody you. that listens to us on iTunes for the wonderful reviews. If you'd like to give us a review, you can do it on Spotify or you can do it on iTunes. On iTunes, tell us what we could do better with the show or what you enjoy about it. So thank you so much. Yeah. 
All right. So everybody go watch Let the Right One In and meet us back here next week. And keep it creepy. Nuggets. <laughs>